Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. We started talking to them and saying, great that you want to implement measurement or get some consistency of measurement. First of all, what's the experience that you're trying to deliver? Because clearly you want to be measuring that. And what parts of your experience drive most value for you? Because there's no point in measuring the amount of time that a doctor spends with the patient if that's not the thing that drives value. If anyone's out there fooling themselves into thinking that customer experience doesn't matter anymore because it maybe is going to be called something else or because maybe a a different organization within the business is going to handle it or is going to handle it in a different way. Somebody still needs to be doing the work of understanding the customer, whether or not that's a CMO. Same thing. Somebody needs to be doing the work of understanding the customer experience and, and making things better for the customer. If we want to call it something else entirely, that's fine. But the underlying principles of human behavior aren't changing. If you are in a job where effectively people have given you responsibility without authority, which I would suggest the 25% that are going to lose their jobs are in, I would suggest you leave because you are never going to succeed on something like this if you don't have the levers to pull or your boss doesn't have the levers to pull. So Ryan, you know when you make a prediction and suddenly the prediction starts to become true? No. I, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've heard other people have done that, but no, I, I actually don't know what that feels like. Well, this is this is something actually we've been talking about for some time. And certainly I remember writing a blog about this about literally about three or four years ago. And basically what has transpired is Forrester have come out with their predictions for 2020. Mm -hmm. And one of their predictions is quite bold, but I think is probably accurate, which is that they're predicting that one in four customer experience professionals will lose their job in 2020. And why is that the case? Well, because of, again, something that we've talked often about, which is the lack of focus on ROI, return on investment, to any customer experience initiatives that they're getting. So that's what we're going to talk a bit about today. Make sense? Yes. Yeah. No, this is something that you've argued in favor of for a long time, or at least argued in favor of the importance of it, is tying this stuff back to ROI, back to the metrics that are important to the company. Forrester seems to be making the prediction that it's really going to come to a head this year. Yeah. And to be honest with you, it's been one of these, I don't know what the analogy is, but it's one of these like sort of steamrollers that maybe it's one of these oil tankers that you can see coming from five miles away and you never think it's going to hit you. And then suddenly it hits you basically. For those people that haven't listened to previous podcasts on this subject, let's talk about it. And then moreover, let's talk about what we think that people need to do because 
one in four means 25%, but that means 75% of people will keep their jobs. If you want to keep your job and you want your CX experience to be professional and not get cold and work, what is it you need to do? Maybe I'll just start off by sort of outlining what I think is the issue and how this is manifesting itself. Would that make sense? Yeah, that sounds great. So I think the overall issue, and if I go back to last year, around this same time, we did a podcast because we had the Nunwood and, again, Forrester results had come out. And basically, it had shown that in the previous three years, so this was in 2019, January 2019, in the previous three years, effectively, customer experience initiatives had remained stagnant. In other words, we hadn't seen any great increases in experience as defined by the most important person, which is the customer. To be clear, this was like research results showing that people didn't report having improvements in the experiences that they were getting from companies. Correct. So in other words, has your experience improved with your mobile phone company, your cable company this year? Now, clearly within that and some of the justification of that is, well, customers' expectations rise each year and therefore, you know, that accounts for that. And, and, and you know, to a certain extent, that's clearly correct. However, I don't think that accounts for everything whatsoever. I think what's happening is that people in the organizations, uh, organizations, customer experience professionals, are not focusing on return of investment, are not measuring that, and are not doing the research that would underpin effectively what drives value. I mean, do you have an opinion as to why not? Do you think there's an aversion to this among CX professionals, or is there a general aversion to kind of measuring and testing things precisely across all business, but the CX field is kind of especially vulnerable to backlash against that, you know, because it's perceived of as being new or it's more in the the crosshairs for the the backlash against it more so than it's unique in not measuring things properly? Or, or do you think it's something else entirely? What's your opinion on that? I think, as usual with life, there's a number of things happening. You've been hanging around with academics too long, Colin. <laughs> the answer is it depends. Yes, I'm going to award you an honorary PhD. <laughs> Go ahead. All I need to do now is start to work on my ridiculous titles for things like hyperbolic discounting. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> that comes with time. Yeah. It does. It does. Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. So I think the issue is there is a number of things. So are people measuring customer experience? Yes, in the main. Are people doing things because of it? Mainly, you know, two-thirds of organizations. Are they doing things that are really going to drive value or are they tinkering around the edges? Then I would suggest that they are tinkering around the edges. And that 
is partly down to the CX professional who either doesn't want to deal with some of the, the bigger stuff or they can't get the bigger stuff through the organization um, because it's a large topic that they know is not going to get picked up or they just don't get support for it. So it, it could be some kind of measurement error. Maybe we're measuring the wrong things. It could be disempowered organizations. So they're kind of getting blamed for not moving the needle while simultaneously not giving their, their resources and power to do the things that cultural change and other things that could actually make a difference. It sounds like I was just about to say, go and see my shrink. I don't have a shrink. Um, <laughs> well, Colin, this, this podcast is actually an intervention. You need a shrink. Um, I do. I'm glad that we got here sooner rather than later. Yeah, I uh, do. Especially what I wanted to talk to you about. Today. Yeah. Yeah. No, so this is quite a cathartic experience for me. <laughs> because, yeah, I've forgotten the question. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, tell me about your mother. Um, no, uh, it, it was uh, not giving power to the CX organizations to actually make real changes and then getting blamed for not making those changes. Yeah. And to be honest with you, mate, that is part of the problem. Okay. It is too many organizations have jumped on the bandwagon because everybody else is doing customer experience we better do custom experience. And then the problem becomes that actually too many people believe they know what they need to do to change, and it's simple. All we have to do is look at our surveys and find out what the pain points are and fix them. And again, I mean, let's be clear, that sounds perfectly reasonable, okay? But again, if we look at all the things that you and I talk about, which is, and my favorite example of Disney know when they ask people what they want to eat at a theme park, Disney know that people say they want to have a salad. Disney also know that people don't eat salads when they go to theme parks, they eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So the issue then becomes that just because the customer says that this is the problem, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is, which is quite ironic. And it also may be a problem, but it may not be as big a problem or opportunity if they were to look at doing something else. So let me give you an example of this. And I think I've said this before, but for those people that haven't heard this story, we did some work with a one of the hospital systems and we found out that the, the perceived wisdom in the hospital was, and all the research that they'd done, showed them that uh, doctors were not spending enough time with patients. So when you ask patients what they wanted to improve, they wanted to increase the time that's spent with doctors. They did that type of thing and guess what? Satisfaction didn't improve one bit. Okay, spent a lot of money. We go in there, we use our what we call our emotional signature, which is a different way of doing research, which uses advanced statistics. I won't bore people with it now. But we discover through that research that it's not that doctors need to spend more time with patients. What the patient was really saying was that the doctors wasn't listening to them. Yeah. Now, Let's take that as a concept and just sort of discuss that in within this context. So what are they measuring? They're measuring the amount of time with doctors. So they're measuring the wrong thing. You're actually increasing the amount of time with the doctor 
and you still feel you're not listened to. So guess what happens to customer satisfaction? It actually goes down. And now let's start to think about the cost justification that you've made to the senior team to get more doctors on board, to change the appointment system. You know, you can just imagine it, can't you? When you talk about like expensive time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> doctor's time is among the most yeah. expensive time we can bill. Absolutely. Yeah. So now the CEO is rightly so saying, okay, well, we've invested all this time, effort, money. We've got this team working on it. We've been doing this. It took us six months to implement, blah, 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 blah. Where's my money back? And actually, customer sat's gone down because they're not providing what the patient wants, which is actually for the doctor to listen to them. So I think within there is a sort of a prime example, because if I was the CEO, I'd be going, what bloody idiot told me to do this then? Yeah. And they would be one of the 25% I got rid of, basically. There's a phenomena in business, and, and you know, I've talked about this briefly before, where there seems to be a need to put new labels on things in business sometimes in order for people to care about it again. As a marketing professional, I guess I don't oppose that. Like <laughs> We can repackage things in a way that make people excited about it again. But when, when I hear things like the CMO position is going away or branding is dead, you see those articles come out about every six months, or customer experience headcount's going to go down by 25% or like the, these are all tactical or implementation devices organizational structures the fundamental underlying needs haven't changed like people still go to places where they enjoy that experience where it's it's seamless and low effort where I mean, all these things drive purchase if anyone's out there fooling themselves into thinking that customer experience doesn't matter anymore because it maybe is going to be called something else or because maybe a, a different organization within the business is going to handle it or is going to handle it in a different way. Somebody still needs to be doing the work of understanding the customer, whether or not that's a CMO. Same thing. Somebody needs to be doing the work of understanding the customer experience and, and making things better for the customer. If we want to call it something else entirely, that's fine. But the underlying principles of human behavior aren't changing. The way we approach them might be. I think the issue, though, for me is sort of a bit deeper than that in the sense of, so one of the problems is that people think that customer experience is easy and they know the answer. And I think the stats just show that that's not the case, okay? I think the other thing that people struggle with, CX professionals struggle with, again, is that people think that customer experience is something soft and fluffy and a nice to have rather than a must have, as, as you were articulating. I think the other thing for me, though, the big issue is, and I guess, you know, when you talk about putting new labels on things, et cetera, et cetera, I think the issue for me is the biggest thing I've learned over the 18 years I've been doing this stuff now since we started Beyond Philosophy is that this is all about a mindset. We were actually presenting yesterday to a potential client who had asked us to come in and they wanted to measure their, so this is a big B2B company, right? I'm not going to mention the name, obviously, but a big B2B company who basically contacted us and say, hey, we, we want to implement measurement. 
Okay, this is first interesting thing. They haven't got any customer measurement at the moment, or it's disparate across the organization. We want to measure customer experience measurement. We started talking to them and saying, great that you want to implement measurement or get some consistency of measurement. First of all, what's the experience that you're trying to deliver? Because clearly you want to be measuring that. And what parts of your experience drive most value for you? Because there's no point in measuring the amount of time that a doctor spends with the patient if that's not the thing that drives value. Now, the point I'm trying to make is this. We walked away from that presentation and you could see, and they told us afterwards, how their minds opened up and they went, bloody hell, yeah. There's no point in us measuring just the same old things that we've been measuring for years. We should define the what drives value, define the experience that we're trying to give our customers, then measure it. And so now that's hopefully enlightened them. The point I'm trying to make is that I think that there are too many organizations that are still stuck in the mindset of, well, customer experiences are important and actually it's all about price and actually it's all just about sales and promotion and actually what we've just got to do is we've got to get online and they're not taking that step back and going, how is human behavior driving these things and how do we put together a consistent strategy that is going to take us from where we are now to where we want to be? Because there are going to be too many over the next few years, there are going to be too many blockbusters and circuit cities and even, you know, JC Penney's and Oh, no, they haven't gone out of business yet, but, you know, Sears. You can just hear the conversations in the C-suite, can't you? You know, everything's fine around here. We just need to sell more stuff. So, anyway, end of my rant. So what is it if you need to be in that top 75% remaining that you need to do? And I think for me, I've just given it a bit of a clue, which is going, first of all, everything you do has got to be attached to a value. You've got to say, if I'm going to spend my time doing this, if I'm going to go and ask for business, I've got to get a return. And therefore, where's the, the challenge I would give everybody is where's the evidence that that's going to give you the return? And are you absolutely convinced that it's the right thing going back to the doctor and the time of the doctor or is it that the doctor wants to listen to me? And I think people have got to look a bit broader on that. Any thoughts from your good self on this? CX is still in some circles seen as being new and therefore not trusted as much. Like if the sales numbers go down then no organization is going to go, oh, well, turns out sales is not important. Sales is dead. So we're going to ax a bunch of our salespeople and then just not replace them with anything. No, they'll say, well, there's something going wrong with our sales organization. Let's figure out what it is and let's solve the problem. Maybe we're using the wrong sales metrics or generating the wrong leads or we're not incentivizing our employees right. And I worry that the same thing doesn't happen when it comes to customer experience, where instead it's like, oh, no, it turns out that 
people don't care about the experience that they're having, that that doesn't measure, as opposed to taking the approach of, oh, our metrics haven't been moving in a couple of years. Let's figure out what we're doing wrong to solve that problem. Sure. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, actually. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if sales do go down, they don't suddenly say, well, let's shut the sales department. Sales is dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, what they would say is probably, let's get rid of the uh, SVP for sales. Yeah, but they wouldn't eliminate the position. They would instead recognize that maybe we need a new approach. Or, and again, this comes back to the same idea of, of relabeling things. Like you, there are organizations that need salespeople to function. And if that's what you need, then you do what you have to, to to make that work as well as possible, as opposed to jettisoning the entire idea because things have, have stagnated or have stopped going well. Figure out what's driving your successes and, and what could drive more success. I have a hard time coming up with examples where experience is not going to be a part of that, even if you want to call it something else for organizational purposes. Yes, and I think that's an important aspect, actually. In some organizations, it just does need to have a slightly different label on it, basically. The bits of advice I would give people, and again, I've been doing this for 18 years, so I hope that this holds some weight. If you're going to have a job where you need to improve your experience, the first thing you need to do is define which parts of your experience are you going to improve and which of those drive value. And you need to be able to put numbers against it and you need to be able to put statistics against it, which, and I'm going to take no shame in plugging our emotional signature research because we know that is robust and is scientifically proven to be able to say, focus on doctors listening to the customer rather than spending more time just increasing the amount of time with the doctor. So it looks under that cloak. So first thing is define what drives value. Second thing for me is define the strategy and get people to dive into it, to agree to it, should I say. And then the third thing is measure both of those. So you're now measuring the parts of the experience that are driving most value and you're obviously putting in place changes to improve that and you're measuring the experience that you now know drives value and that everybody's agreed upon and you're then reporting on that so the fourth thing that i would strongly suggest is if you are in a job where effectively people have given you responsibility without authority which I would suggest the 25% that are going to lose their jobs are in, I would suggest you leave because you are never going to succeed on something like this if you don't have the levers to pull or your boss doesn't have the levers to pull because you're setting yourself up for failure. Again, I'm probably exaggerating a bit, but hopefully people can see the passion in which I'm talking about this subject because I've just seen it happen so many times where people are half-hearted. They have somebody that's customer experience. They say they're customer experience. We want them to do a really good job, and then they don't give them the authority to make any of the changes. Therefore, nothing works, and guess who gets the blame? It's the person that's got customer experience title in their job description, basically. Those are really good points. Let me emphasize one of them that you raised early on. It was, it was your point one or two 
the idea of, of measuring and measuring the right thing, I don't know that organizations appreciate just how hard that can be and how sometimes it takes, you know, a little bit of fumbling or a little bit of experimentation. In psychology, there was research on attitudes and how much people liked these things. It was an active problem in psychology for decades, literally for decades, that attitudes did not accurately predict behavior. So we had this all of this research about what makes people like things more or less. And yet all of these research scientists, when they looked at attitudes as they were measuring them, they just didn't line up well with what people actually did. It was a big problem for a research domain that's supposed to understand people, why they couldn't find this relationship. And it comes back to some of the things that you know you were talking about earlier. It turns out that they weren't measuring all the things that they needed to measure and they weren't measuring them well. And these were not dumb people, right? So it's not, it's not the case that, you know, you're just too dumb to figure out your measurement. Sometimes there are all these additional factors that are needed that you need to measure in order to start to find that correlation. And once psychologists figured this out, then it ceased being a problem or, or became much less of a problem. They were able to start relating these things and finding when and why attitudes predict behavior and so on. But you should expect that in your organizations, right? Picking the right things to measure is hard. And realizing that you may need to measure kind of a broader swath of things or measure things at multiple points in time. None of this is a reason to kind of throw up your hands and just say, well, it can't be done. We can choose to ignore it then. It's safe to pretend it doesn't exist because it's hard. That's not good advice. No, if we end this podcast on this couple of stats, which are my two favorite stats in the 18 years that I've been doing this stuff with Beyond Philosophy. Maersk Line, one of our clients, in fact, measured by Forrester in a report they wrote, Maersk Line improved their net promoter score by some 40 points over 30 months that led to a 10% rise in shipping volumes. One of the reasons I like this case of yours, Colin, is this is a very business-to-business, very transactional industry. We're talking about shipping boxes from one place to another. This is not touchy-feely. No, absolutely. Business to business, very, very transactionally, logistically orientated. So absolutely. Another case study, Rico, we had um, Glenn Lafferty, the CEO, do a podcast with us a few months ago. They improved their net promoter score by 34 points over 30 months that led to a 10% rise in printer sales in a declining market. Now, The bit that I really like about those is there's numbers attached to them. There's timescales. But moreover, there's the benefit that it gave to the organization because you now speak to Glenn about this and he goes, yeah, if it wasn't for doing this program, we wouldn't have increased our, we're in a declining market for printers and we increased our printer sales by 10%. And 10% of a company like Rico, that's a bloody lot of money. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore that gives them that money to be able to do in other things or increases the profitability of the organization, blah, 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 blah. What CEO wouldn't, if you said to them, we're going to do this program and it's going to increase sales by 10%, what CEO would say, oh, no, I've got a better plan. Actually doing something else would be a lot better. I'm sure they'd all bite your hands off if they were offered that. 
Anyway, I hope that's been of use today. If you've got any thoughts on this subject or you want any advice on it, I say I've been doing this for 18 years now. I'm more than happy just to try to give people any advice. So if you want to reach out to us in any way, please either go to our website at www.beyondphilosophy.com or just email us at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. And I'd be more than happy to just answer any questions that anybody's got. So good luck in 2020. Thanks very much. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.